Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's continue in Matthew. We're in chapter 17. Now we're in verse 14. When they reached the crowd, a man approached and knelt down before him. Lord, he said, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus replied, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And from that moment, the boy was healed. Then the disciples approached Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we drive it out? Because of your little faith, he told them. For truly, I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This bears remarkable similarity and also remarkable distinction from a similar account in the Gospel of Matthew. The similarities between this account and the Mark event are that it's a father who has a son who is possessed by a demon, it casts the son into fire and into water. The disciples are unable to rebuke the demon, but then Jesus heals the son. Moreover, there's also a follow-up conversation in private asking, why couldn't we cast it out? But those points of similarity are overshadowed by some other profound differences. In the Mark instance, we know that the boy is possessed by a demon. The, father's, the father comes to the comes to Jesus and says that the demon throws him into fire and into water. Moreover, Jesus' answer to the question to the disciples behind the scenes, why couldn't we heal this boy? Jesus' Jesus' answer is totally different. It's because this kind can only come out by prayer. All right, so it's quite, it's quite likely that these are different instances. However, you could harmonize the two if you wanted, but what you walk away with is a much harsher picture of, of the story in Jesus, according to the Matthew account, than you do from the Mark account. Because in the Mark, and the Mark miracle, Jesus actually gives this whole other conversation with the Father. The Father, uh, the Father says, look, if you can do anything, you can heal him. And then Jesus is like, if I can do anything, everything is possible for him who believes. And you can see that bears a remarkable similarity to what Jesus, uh, what Jesus tells the disciples in private, right? Nothing will be impossible for you. And then he says, I do believe the father tells, this is the Mark account. The father tells Jesus, I do believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus heals the man's son. It's really, really amazing. That's a, that's a powerful story. Mark's, Mark's gospel narrative focuses either on a different miracle or a different aspect of this miracle. So. In the Mark account, uh, in the Mark account, there's more exchange between Jesus and the Father. In the Matthew account, in this in this instance, for this Father, Jesus' response is is much more harsh. You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? In the Matthew account, we also think that we're maybe in a different place chronologically because he's just been on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's just right before the, the eyes of Peter, James, and John, been momentarily, at least in a vision, restored to the glory that he had before. And now he's back and he's immediately confronted with someone who's possessed by a demon. And so he's, he's expressing 
right? His, his, his frustration with the sin-stained state of things, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Uh, man, like having performed numerous healings, multiple miracles, uh, he, his frustration is largely with the generation. When he uses that word, he's talking about Israel on the whole under the corrupt leadership of the legalistic Pharisees. How long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? bring him here to me because Jesus is ready to be restored to the glory that he had before. All right, that ascension will take place post trial, post crucifixion, post death on the cross, and then in Acts chapter one, his ascension into heaven. This is, this is important to remember in Matthew chapter four, verse four, we saw that there is a uh, 424, we see there is a distinction between this boy's seizures and then what is brought on by epilepsy. What's, what's brought on to this boy is clearly demonic, right? What, what's brought on to this boy is clearly because of demonic possession. He's asking, Lord, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. That's actually another similarity. Uh, that's another similarity between the Mark miracle and the Matthew miracle. And it also resonates today. There's a member of the Redemption Church who described experiencing expository teaching as though there were this whole new wing of her home that she had never discovered before. She came from a church that never did this, never, never you know, did what we do at the Redemption Church and through JCM, just going through the whole Word of God, going verse by verse through entire books of the Bible at a time. And as a result, you know, was largely given a teaching that was built upon emotional experiences or asking God for miracles. The teaching that would come would largely be influenced by a word that was given to the individual teacher. Sometimes this frame of teaching, as we've discussed, can kind of bring up an ancient heresy, an ancient false religion known as Gnosticism. And uh, wow, how remarkable it is when you go from a teaching like that to just when you, when you really discover the word of God and you see how inexhaustible it is, how phenomenal it is. But man, when you come from that background, you're kind of counting on uh, some big promises from Christians. And there are some churches that build whole ministries around healing, all right? They even have, there's even one prominent uh, church that has a whole school of ministry about teaching these Christians how to go heal people. And man, in their wake are countless souls adrift who went to these churches and these certified, as it were, uh, ministers and seeking healing, and then there's nothing. And so then they're left adrift. They're demanding signs and wonders, which we saw earlier is, is an evil. And then parallel to adultery, it's an adulterous generation that would demand a sign and a wonder. So you got to know that there are people out there who have gone to people who follow Jesus and asked for healing and they didn't receive it. And, and as a result, they're hurt and they're drifting. They need to go directly to Jesus himself. This father had brought him to the disciples, but the disciples couldn't heal him. I admire the father for now going directly to the source and not just giving up, right? If, if you have been burned by the church or failed by the church, or maybe you've like so many um, you've been kind of left 
hurt by the false teachings of a church that promised you miracles and they never came through. It's the number one reason people give for leaving their Christian faith behind, right? They suffer and they thought that they wouldn't suffer. Um, would you go directly to the source? Would you go directly to Jesus himself? Go to him. Jesus' answer to his disciples, because of your little faith, I think is why this is a separate miracle with remarkable similarities to the, the, the events in the Gospel of Mark. The disciples approached Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we drive it out? Because of your little faith. For truly I tell you, even if you have like a mustard seed, by the way, it's like the, the size of the tip of a fountain pen, okay? It is a tiny little ball-bearing BB. I've got a little canister of it in the house. I'll bring it out uh, the next time we film. All right, it, that, that's all the faith that it takes to be able to move a mountain, to tell that mountain to move, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This is a foreshadowing of the kind of miraculously empowered ministry that the, the, the disciples turned apostles are going to have. Just see the incredible rapid-fire barrage of miracles that opens up the book of Acts. But they lacked faith, and that's why they were unable to help this boy before because of the lack of faith. This passage had a heavy influence on me when my family was living in the hospital and uh, we had been living there for months already. My bride suffered from preeclampsia and hypertension. She required multiple blood transfusions. She almost died. Our son Aiden, born with distal tracheal would likewise you know, he would foam at the mouth. It was, it was heartbreaking to see. And I would look at this passage and I would go directly to Jesus. And then, you know, I, I would go to him and I would remember this because I wanted to make sure that I didn't lack faith, but that when I went to him asking for this miracle, already a foregone conclusion, I'm going to worship him no matter what comes. I determined that whatever the outcome, it would not be for a lack of faith on his father's part. It would be because it was God's will. And I knew that should my son die, I would still, even after the heart monitor rang out its ugly tone, continue to pray, even then for a miracle. And yet I would praise him. But what I determined was that it would not be for a lack of faith. It would be, I knew and would forevermore know and never doubt and never wonder what if and never regret and want to come back in time to relive that season of my life, that I would have faith knowing nothing is impossible. Now we did, although my son did ultimately pass away, we did see God perform a series of miraculous healings on my son. It taught me this passage intimately. And it was tough the first time that another couple in the church had a sick child in the hospital and I needed to go visit them and we prayed for healing. I wanted to make sure again that I didn't lack faith in the case of my son Aiden, and I didn't want to lack faith for them. But I learned that day and have remembered ever since that, wow, that is, that was greater faith than I'd ever had before. To ask God for a healing, God would give it to an extent, but ultimately my son would die. And then to go to him again and pray for it again, pray for it anew, pray for it more and more. I know that this text is true and that nothing is impossible if you have just the faith of a mustard seed. It's not always God's will that a miraculous healing take place, but if we have faith, even just the faith of a mustard seed, nothing is impossible. So I, I implore you to go before the Lord and do ask for the impossible. It may not always be His will, but 
nothing is impossible 